Daves. Dave and David. Yes. David and Dave. Yes. Hi. Hi. I'm surrounded by Dave's David and Dave's <laughs> Dave. I think it's pronounced uh, David's general. Yes. Yes. How you're supposed right. to say is the plural. Welcome everyone to Apex Adjacent. Dave is over there. Hello. And David is over there. Uh, we have our, our good friend David Obachowski back on the show. Friend Hello. of the show. I think officially now, friend of the show. Is, well, that's, thank you. I feel like that's a bit of a promotion. I'm happy to have a promotion. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here. I love seeing you guys um, in person even now. Yeah, but I love great. being on the show. Great to this see you. Yeah. 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 So car show. Right? <clears throat> car show. That's not a COVID cough. Oh, oh God, are you this. okay? <laughs> I'm fine. Um, but uh, apparently uh, COVID has not canceled colds. Uh, and, yeah. and the children still get them and they still give them to you constantly. There's just cold germs constantly coming at your face because of the children. So anyways, I make adorable little Petri dishes. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I don't want any be, anyone to be alarmed. And anyways, this is all virtual, as I'm sure... Most of your viewers and listeners are smart enough to know this is not an in-person conversation. COVID, COVID is digital now. Not a lot of people know that. <laughs> yeah, that's the, yeah. The, next, the next variant you can just attach to an email. Yeah. You know, yeah. right. Yeah, it's yeah. The, giga, the giga variant. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, the giga cron. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, I promised a, uh, just a quick Steve Albini story, which has <laughs> nothing to do with cars. But... Um, uh, there was a remark that, you know, one of you just could turn up the smart knob, you know, to make the other sound better. So back in 2002, uh, 2000, yeah, I'm going to say 2002, uh, I was living in Chicago uh, very briefly. And I um, had this this little band. Again, it was very brief because I was barely, I barely lived there more than a, it was like a year or something, maybe not even right before I moved to New York. So, um, went into electrical audio and recorded, not with Steve Albini, but with his sort of right-hand man, Greg Norman, who's awesome. And uh, I met Steve Albini when we were there a couple times, and he's sort of very dry kind of a guy. And of course, I, I love Steve Albini. I love his, his bands and all that stuff. And, you know, I mean, so... Um, and I know his reputation as being not sort of a warm and fuzzy, fuzzy guy. So right. I generally kept my distance and just sort of said hi. And, you know, uh, Greg was, you know, really, really friendly and all that stuff. And so uh, I bring home the sort of uh, reference mix um, from the studio and I'm listening to it on, on the CD and I'm on the CD and, and I'm like, like, oh, this is like pretty good. It sounds a little thin, like it feels like the bass could come up a little bit. Now, this is all analog recording, right? So, you know, you're, you're recording out of this thick tape, and then they have to put it back on the machine. And, they, you know, so I call over to Electrical Audio, hoping to get Greg on the phone to just ask him, like, hey, can we do a quick mix? Just kind of bump the bass up. And Greg's not there, and Steve Albini answers. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, he's like, what do you want? Like, that's just like general tone. Right. Right. And I'm like, well, like I love, I love how it sounds. Everything. It just sounds a little, sounds a little thin. I'm thinking maybe like turning the bass up might help it kind of like thicken it up. 
I'm totally intimidated because I'm on the phone with Steve Albini at this point, right? Yeah, right. And, and so I'm probably not speaking as clearly as I could be, which is just to say the bass isn't loud enough. I'd like to get a, like a mix with the bass louder. So, so he's like, well, well, what do you mean? Like, what, what's the problem with it? And I'm like, well, I, I just feel like you'd be like more powerful. You know, like, like it could be like thicker, you know? And I start getting these sort of more abstract terms, you know? And he just is on the phone and he just goes, I don't have a fucking knob to turn to make you suck less. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not a direct quote, but it was something like, I, like exactly like the, And I will never forget the vision of him just being like, like there's not a knob, you know, that says like, you know, good. You can just turn it up. And I was just like, wow, cancel the mix request. I think I'm done. You know? Oh, uh, I found out I had a speaker unplugged. I, yeah, exactly. Sounds better you know what? Actually, it sounds fine. I think I'm going to go into hiding for a while. <laughs> Big oh, Buck yeah. Songs for Fucking is my favorite album. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's, uh, that record is amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I love Atomizer. And, um, yeah, and then, I, and then I moved out of Chicago. Pure coincidence, I, I assure you. Not because I was completely... Scorched by Steve Albini. <laughs> what kind of car would Steve Albini drive? That was going to be my question too. <laughs> no way. That's a great question. I mean, so um, it's got to be something that says "just don't talk to me." <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, isn't there part of you that feels like he would drive a Saab? Don't you think that he would drive like something that's kind of that's like it's got style and it's super it's kind of angular and cold kind of like the music like i feel like shellac's music and big black like there is a sort of angularness to it and it's kind of cold the sob it's speed yeah. it could be kind of and it's also a little unapproachable like sobs are kind of scary if you don't if you don't know them right yeah i think the only thing that I think where that analogy falls apart is I think most sob owners are very excited to talk about their sobs. Oh, right. And I feel like Steve Albini wouldn't want to talk about his car, right? He would want to just, he would just want to, he would just need to be there and you get it. Yeah. We don't need to talk about it. I mean, he's also like, I mean, I don't think it could be anything like you're like from the big three because that's just too straight up the middle for Steve Albini. He has this weird thing where he hates Canadians. I think that's probably more of a running joke than anything. He's got this like anti anti Canada thing, really? which is kind of funny to me. Um, and then, but like, would he just drive like maybe like a, like a late seventies Honda? Just because that's just like beat up. Yeah. That, right. Like, like kind of duct taped together. Like it just gets the job done. Yeah, we're like the mechanic is like the head gasket is disintegrated. He's like, I don't give a shit. Just right. make it. I just need to get from Lake My House to the studio. Right, back. exactly. Right. Like may, maybe that's what Steve Albini would drive. So, but like Steve Albini is like a huge baseball fan. So uh, that's the other thing is like you have this idea like we are like oh this guy's going to be like this you know, like Warhol-esque in some ways, like right. artist. And then he comes to the studio and he's like, is the game on? Like puts the game, you know, and he's like, <laughs> you know, if he's not like at the game, he's watching the game. And the dude is like actually quite approachable. I think if you're not trying to talk to him about music, if you're just like, what's going on with the fucking Cubs this year? He's probably like, yes, let's talk about the Cubs. 
So, oh, gotcha. and I, you know, maybe an AMC Eagle. Oh, okay. Okay. Boom. Yeah. I just threw that out at you. <laughs> I like it. I so like he was on a Reddit AMA and somebody asked him, how in the world did you end up producing Peter Soros album Buyer's Market? What was Peter like? Steve Albini answered and said, Peter's an old friend. I've known him for 30 years or so. I'd help him do whatever he wants to do from wash his car to edit his album. So that was the only car reference I could find for Steve Albini. So, but he would, he would wash a car, Steve Albini. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Do you think he'd wash his own car? I doubt no, it. no, he would not wash his, he would not wash his own car. No, I do like that. We've done a hot 20 on Steve Albini. <laughs> and yeah. I'm going to say probably half of our audience has no idea who he is. I'm going to yeah. say, yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, okay. Just as, just as a closing thing to, to this is my very, let's put a bow segue. on Albini. Here's, yeah. here's my eloquent segue from Albini into cars. When you go to electrical audio, what you notice is that everyone who works there wears uh, jumpsuits. They were uh, much like Dave, you wore when we were working on the Peugeot again. Hell yeah. You got to have your speed suit, man. Yeah. I mean, it reads a little bit more Devo-esque uh-huh. in, the, in the context <laughs> of, of electrical audio. But still, I mean, you, the, you, could, you could make, you could, I guess I'm, I'm stretching, but I think I've gotten that. I think you know I've made the point. Look, my metaphors, there's not a fucking knob that you can turn up my metaphors and make them yeah. suck less, okay? <laughs> hey, when those guys are there, they have work to do. When you're in the yeah, garage, exactly. you've got work to do, and also you want right. it to be a challenge if you have to pee real quick. Yes, well, that's you want. like that's like his whole thing too, right? Of like he's a technician, not an right. artist, right? Not a, no, he's not a producer. Yeah, he's a technician or engineer. I can't remember what he calls himself, but yeah, something. Like yeah, that. engineered by yeah, right. Because yeah. you're like you got all these all these kids. I don't even know if anyone gives a shit anymore about about like produced by Steve Albini. But back in the day, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, in the '90s, you were like, "Hey, I got a band. I'm going to buy a day's worth of time at, at Electrical Audio and say it was produced by Steve Albini." And he was like, "No, you're not. <laughs> you're not saying it was produced by me. Yeah. You could say that you paid me to like <laughs> plugged, in, plugged in a cable, hit record." Cool. Anyways. Listen to the drums on In Utero, everyone. Yeah. Um, okay, so should we start talking about cars? Sure. All right. Let's do okay. it. I, like, yeah. I love okay. cars. Actually, I'm really excited to talk about cars because, yes. as you guys know, I acquired quite literally, and I know this is a sort of a term that gets bandied about, this is quite literally a dream car, like a, a lifelong dream car. And I didn't have a lot of dream cars. I was not a person who had this like long list of like specific, but this is a dream car. So the last the last time you were on the show, you had yes an Alfa Romeo. Mm-hmm. Uh, remind the people the details of the Alfa Romeo and the diamond plating and the whole thing. Right. So I had this total weirdo, bizarro nineteen seventy nine Alfa Romeo sports sedan. It's an Alfetta, so it's a sort of a sibling or a cousin of the the GTV. Um. And uh, there it is. Yeah. And um, so it's sort of the opposite of the dream car in that, not at that it was a nightmare. However, I never knew this car existed. I, I couldn't have dreamt of this car because they quite literally, I only became hip to its existence the day that I saw it posted on Craigslist and went directly to look at it. 
And I, from the outside, I was like, this car is really cute. And it's an Alfa Romeo. And I think Alphas are great. This is a unique one. Went over there. It was priced very low, which was important. Right. Um, and was like, seems to be like in good working order and uh, was rebuilt by an Alpha mechanic. Opened the door. Instead of interior, like door cards, it's aluminum diamond plate. There, there it is. Yep. And I mean, metal. This is not like some plasticky stuff designed to look cool. This is the real deal. It is sheet metal and hot to the touch <laughs> in the summertime. It's like driving in a fucking microwave. <laughs> and um, total Frankenstein of a car. Excuse me, Frankenstein's monster, to be literary, correct? <laughs> um, yes, exactly. So it is a uh, 79 car with an 87 uh, engine. Oh, look at that rust. Beautiful. And um, I added the stripes myself. Uh, oh. Unable to actually fix anything at this point, I went ahead and put stripes on. <laughs> I needed to do something. I draws your eye. The nice thing about the about the stripes is that it really draws your eye to the rust. Yes, exactly. Yeah, totally. So yeah, eighty-seven Spider engine. So it had EFI, which was cool, and it had those tail lights are from the seventy-one Spider. It was just it had all kinds of. Oh, the seats were from a Milano. Um, but like it's totally weird, one of a kind, bizarre car um, that was more reliable than it should have been. Not that it didn't give me problems. It gave me enough problems for me to learn. There you go. And not so many that it made me like be like, fuck this. I'm, I will never try this again. Right. Um, and it was very, very fun to drive. And um, what, what a huge, so, okay, a huge downside of it was that because 79 car, it didn't have three point seat belts in the back. So it just had lap belts. Well, I'm thinking to myself, how hard could it be to install three point seat belts? Right. Cause I have, a, I have two young kids who are now seven to 10 back then. They were like, you know, five and eight or six and nine or whatever. And, um, so I go on Amazon. There's not many three point seat belts you could just buy, but I found the one company that did bought them. Put, took the seats out and really forced them in there and they it was a shit show i mean it was not like don't hire me to install aftermarket seatbelts in your car don't hire me to take your vintage car and add an update it with seatbelts because first of all i will destroy the little interior i've left if you like me have a car that's mostly aluminum diamond plate and there's a little headliner left that shit will come down <laughs> when I get done with it. It will be torn and everything. And then um, also it just didn't really fit well. It didn't really hold well. And there was, this, it was not great. Yeah. So it wasn't su- super safe for the kids between the shrapnelizing uh, <laughs> interior and the seatbelts that were really more for show than anything. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I didn't put them in it too much. And, um, then we move from LA to Colorado. We're in Denver. And of course in Denver, if you park your car on the curb, um, the catalytic converter just disappears, which is a cool feature that we have here in Denver. Yeah, It's, it's a, sort, a, sort of like, it's like 
it's like uh, we have a really good recycling program and composting, mm-hmm. you know, and it's almost like an automated catalytic converter <laughs> recycling program that you don't even pay for or register for. Yeah. You move to Denver, you just park your car, and your catalytic converter is taken care of. It's not a problem. <laughs> and so um, we, our Prius, which was the family car we did drive the kids around in, we had it on the curb, uh, and uh, catalytic converter went away. And... Um, and of course, uh, this is, you know, the catalytic converters are backward for roughly three decades and right. they, you know, cost $8 million. And so suddenly the Alfa Romeo gets put into the spec. Like, congratulations, you're the family car now. You know? I, I love how it takes like a, to- a Toyota Prius with basically an open header, like, right. which has to sound. You know, I, dr- I drove it to the shop. Uh-huh. And it was it was amazing. First of all, it was alarmingly loud. Well, and it's got to be bizarre, right? Because it like the our engine RPM doesn't necessarily have a whole lot to do with your throttle position, right? So does it? Is it just very bizarre? Of like, it's loud and then it's quiet because then the battery yes, kicks in. Exactly. Well. Well, so it was this 2009 Prius. So I don't that our car really was more like um, it didn't really like cut into electronic mode okay. while you were driving. I mean, I think there was electronic assist, but it was sort of engine on until you stopped. Mm. And I would I had been told that for some cars, if you get rid of the catalytic converter, it actually becomes a little bit more powerful. Mm-hmm. Our Prius, that was not the case. I mean, I didn't sound like I took it out on the interstate and saw how fast it would go, but it was more sluggish off the line. Um, it was really fucking loud. And, um, <laughs> and then you would stop at a red light. So I'm on um, Quebec or something like that or MLK and uh, stopped at a red light. And this like truck pulls up next to me and I'm on my little Prius. And he, guy in the truck is looking at me like lame fucking Prius driver light turns green and I hit the gas and the dude's just like what? <laughs> I'm looking at him like it's right straight pipe this bitch <laughs> totally not driving it to the shop this is how I roll and uh, this is my life now yeah exactly uh-huh. Uh-huh. so um yeah, anyway, so the Alpha was like all of a sudden, and it was summer, so the interior, again, uh, not comfortable. Yeah. And uh, I had had some problems with the uh, the old water pump, which I did replace on my own, very proud of. Um, anyway. Yeah. And you should um, be. Yeah. My wife was very supportive. She, she, she was like, it's not safe for the kids, so I don't like that we're driving them in this car. which I was like, agreed. And she was like, you know, this car was not meant to be like a forever car. It was like your first like special old car. Cut your teeth. Yeah. And she was like, you know, maybe you weren't planning on upgrading today, but maybe you need to upgrade today. And so I was like, man, you're right. Well, anyways, it it was a sort of this lucky thing because right when that was happening, um, my uh, my Twitter friend Steve, who you guys spoke to, and uh, he just happened to be like, "Hey, I found this Peugeot listed locally," and I was just like, "Okay, that's my dream car. There's no fucking way in the world this would ever work, right?" Like, so there's my dream car in Montana. Meanwhile, my Prius is out of commission. 
Right. I have an alpha that like it needs some work on it and burns children. Yeah, right. It can't, right. It can't work. (laughs) And yet it did. And we write more extensively about that. Steve and I co-authored an essay. Hopefully that will be coming out soon. Um, And we write a little bit more about that, but it was just totally one of those long shot things where at every step you're almost like, what's the point of me even taking the 10 minutes it's going to take to write this message or to take this phone call or to do this? Because obviously this could never work. And yet at every step it did. Okay. And and so, um, yeah, a few months ago I found myself on a plane, uh, a one way ticket and, uh, landed in, uh, uh, Missoula and and I got picked up in my Peugeot 405 MI16 1989. It, it's so, crazy. It, it is. It's a like it sounds like a whirlwind and I, I want to rewind just a touch. Yes. So so this is a, a completely safe place. Anybody like the fact that you can say a Peugeot 405 MI16 is your is your dream car. I love that. We love that, right? And that mm-hmm. is fantastic, right? Because, like, there's enough people that want McLarens. There's enough people right. that want these things, right? But, like, it's unique. It's something, like, you've identified. Like, what what took you to that being one of your dream cars? And what else is kind of in the rankings uh, like, what are its peers as David Obachowski dream cars? Well, so that's a good question. And I think for this essay, I didn't have an opportunity to really get into that as much. Okay. And and part of it is because it's hard to articulate. I have always loved Peugeots. I mean, like, when I was a kid and didn't really... I mean, I've always loved cars, but I've always been sort of... I like them. Actually, similarly, probably, I mean my son loves cars right now. Um, part of that has to do with me because I love cars, but like, I think he's attracted to them and drawn to them it, much in the same way that I was. So even if I wasn't really into cars, I have a feeling he still would be, um, you know, he loves the way they look. He's sort of fascinated by it. The, how they work seems kind of mysterious. They go really fast. They, you know, um, they look all different kinds of ways. And, um, so I, I sort of always loved cars as a kid, and um, there was always something kind of – I mean, and just for context, I mean, I was born in 1979. They stopped selling Peugeots in the U.S. in 91, I think. I think that was the year, or that was the last model year. Yeah. So it was either 91 or 92 that the Peugeots officially, you know, were, were done. Um, so, you know, you got to figure, I'm 12 or 13 years old when that happens. Um, lived on the East Coast. So there was a lot of Peugeots out there, 505s almost entirely. Right, right. Beautiful, like just beautiful car. And I always, always felt like the Peugeot 505 is probably like, it just struck me as being, I mean, everyone sort of talked about like the BMWs and the Mercedes as being like really classy cars. And I was just like, man, this Peugeot 505 is like, Mm -hmm. to me, it's just like that, except it's got so much more character. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, getting older and sort of learning a little bit more about cars. Um, when I moved to L.A., before I got the Alpha, I hung out with uh, with Andrew uh, from Car Bibles, from The Drive, you know? Yeah. And um, I was like, I the first thing I, I was like, I want to get a car. I want to get a Peugeot. 
I mean, I told him that and I didn't, there was mm-hmm. none for sale. They didn't, they just, they don't come up ever. So anyways, the 505 learning sort of about the cars, you kind of learn that like the 505 is beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's sort of like, to me, you just can't look at that car, look right. at the headlights. Um, but they're not, then you look at like the 405, especially the 405 MI16 and you're talking about, well, the 505 wasn't exactly like a speed demon. Right. Right. You know, and the right. ones that you that you did find in the U.S., a lot of them were diesels, which which is cool in its own way. But the 405 and the MI16 version is this like whole other beast. You know, it doesn't have your sort of Mercedes BMW luxury car look necessarily. It's got a more aggressive look. Um, it's designed by Pininfarina, so it's it it actually looks like. You know, it's got a little bit of that Alfa Romeo look. Um, and uh, it's the MI-16 has that spoiler, which gives it even more. And then, I mean, like, the thing redlines, it's 7,200 RPM. So, again, going back to my teenage years when it was like the VTEC thing was was all the rage. It was like, oh, this thing's redlined at 7,800 RPM or whatever it is. I don't know the exact amount, but... Like they, it's like really high revving. Well, this car is not VTEC, but it still behaves like that. Like it's difficult to get into fifth gear because that thing just wants to go really just stay in the high revs. And when we were driving it from Montana back to Denver, you know, you'd have these long stretches of road where you obviously get into fifth gear and the speedometer goes up to 140 miles an hour. And I mean, that thing was like, effortlessly getting up to a hundred, like barely getting out of fourth, you know, it's just like, you just got this feeling where you're like, this thing is, if I wanted to really push it, it would go really fast. And unlike the alpha, which would become sort of terrifying around 70 miles an hour, (laughs) if that car was fun, but it was also scary to drive, like, like, the the sort of dichotomy of the Alfa Romeo driving experience, at least that car was, and I'd be curious if it's other old Alphas, was on one hand, you desperately want to just go really fast in it and just really open the thing up. And then as soon as you do, you're like, holy shit, this thing is, <laughs> this thing is driving me. I am not really driving it, you know, like. Well, like, like, like you said, the, the Alfa was a, a cousin of the GTV, which was essentially a took its lineage from a car that was designed in like the 50s right right so and this is like a modern modern relatively modern car and it feels like it and i mean i have not gotten this car up to a speed where it has felt even remotely like out of control right it's that you know where you're driving a car and you're it's like you're like this is deceptively fast you know you Mm -hmm. kind of like oh you Mm -hmm. you blink and you're like holy shit i'm doing 95 in this Mm -hmm. thing it doesn't feel like it the Peugeot is a little bit like that. It just, it just, it doesn't feel like the car is struggling. It wants to, it wants to go fast. It wants to be high up in the revs. Um, and so that was the kind of thing was sort of learning about the, the 505 versus the 405. And then of course, like, you know, you see like the Peugeot hot hatches over in Europe and those oh, things. Right, are of course, kind of legendary. Right. And I, I think this is sort of, you know, probably is more like your sedan version of that. Anyway, um, always wanted a Peugeot. They're just different. There's something mysterious about them. You just never see them. Yeah. It, you, you're like, is it like a 
super like luxury car? Like, is it like an Audi or, and then on the other hand, you're like, or is it this like weird car that is Mm -hmm. not like that at all? And I think it's like in the States, it exists sort of in both worlds. And I think in particular, the MI-16 was Peugeot's like last shot in America of coming in and being like, maybe we can like, like really compete. In fact, I'll send you guys a picture if you don't already have it. This car came with so much cool shit, including the original accessories catalog, which includes a T-shirt, which I would love to track down, of a lion chasing, like, these other animals, like like this huge lion, right? And chasing down, like, BMW and Audi and Porsche, right? And it's like, it says, you won't even find the shirt online. You okay. will not find it. Um, you know, and it says something along the line. Uh, hang on. I could get it for you. You want to get it for you? Drive the Lionhearted Peugeot Estates? Nope. No? Okay. Hang on. I'll be right back. I have it just in the other room. Okay. There's the so, shirt. Okay. So, oh, and here I was a smartass, and I uh, crossed out. Oh, I crossed out Saab, Dave, because <laughs> Saab is no longer in business, and I replaced it with Tesla. Thank but, you. Uh, Thank you. But, Anyway, yeah, so this uh, this shirt to me truly represents the uh, what the 405 MI16 was supposed to do in the US, right? Okay. And 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 I don't I don't know. I mean, it, it was like a really successful car elsewhere in the world, like highly successful. Um, but in the states it sort of was like gone before it really even got here it was hardly here but uh, this shirt to me was like this was this was their vision board right like the peugeot just fucking devouring like bmw and volvo and audi and saab i i love that marketing attitude and it's always so interesting because there was a little bit of that from saab like saab was kind of labeled an entry-level luxury car yeah right and so like the your Peugeot kind of falls into that, but kind of more to the sport side. Right. Well, what I was thinking was what's really funny about this is that, is that they were basically going after like 12 people in the U S who were cross shopping the four or five M, uh, MI-16 MI 16 and the Mercure, uh, like <laughs> right. XR four or whatever. Right. Like that was, those were the two cars. They were both competing for the same like dozen people. Yeah. I mean, and it's, I think it's the, the uh, Stellantis issue right now. I was all excited a couple of years ago when it was like, um, oh, you know, Peugeot is going to come back. They're going to be back in North America 2025 or something like that. Right. That was the sort of rough right. plan that they had announced. And then Stellantis, I guess, I don't know, formed or whatever. And then they were like, not happening. And, my kids were like, they, they're like, why isn't, why isn't Peugeot? And I'm just like, because like who, the person who's going to drive, a, like who's going to buy a Peugeot is like the same one who's going to buy the fucking like the Fiat or the Alfa Romeo or like, you know, yeah. it's just like how many people in the U S really are going to be like, Oh, cool. A Peugeot. I'm going to buy that. Yeah, right. the, that that like space is so incestual, right? Yeah, like from a customer standpoint, right? But they but they went for it. There was this like moment yeah. where they were like, you know, we're taking them, we're taking right. out BMW, right. we're taking out Volvo. This image of the 
Peugeot Lion gobbling up these brands to me, I'm just like, that's, that is awesome. I There's mean, your next a, tattoo. I know. I know. Totally. Like there is some alternate timeline, you know, where COVID didn't happen, but Peugeot, like they right. came out with the 405 MI16 right. and just fucking Volvo doesn't exist anymore. Right. Only, <laughs> Nobody only, ever put pineapple on pizza. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Now we're talking. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, this is, I'm, I, I don't know. There's something, there's something about it. It's, it's, it's sideways. It's, you know, yeah, it's hard to find parts for it, but it's, it's also not like totally impossible. Um, what's his name? Who has the, the Renault? He's in weird car Twitter. He was just, tweeting about it uh i can't i can't remember his name that's embarrassing anyway he's like totally struggled because his his car needs a new transmission and he like finally sourced it after months and months and months and it's like it's a miracle i ever found anything and i was kind of like that's going to be my big challenge with this car right Right. and like there's some stuff that's kind of hard to get but then it's also not impossible the fact is, is they made like 3 million of these cars. Right. They made like 3 million Peugeot 405s. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, you know, are you going to find it in Denver? Probably not. You're probably not going to find the part in Denver, but there is a dude in Dallas who like, or Texas somewhere that has a like bunch of French car parts. But then also it's easy. It like it kind of easy to like find shit in, in England or Germany and, right. and all that stuff. So it hasn't been quite... It's it's intimidating, but the car owning the car has been like, I can do this. I I can do it. You know, a little bit like the Alpha. Well, and you had like a. I mean, you found a really great example of it. Yeah, we heard some of the story from Steve, like you said. But my big question is, what do your kids think about it? What are do either of them miss the Alpha? So or are they all on board with the, the so, so okay so you see that picture right mm-hmm. this is what I would consider like I'm not a professional photographer but I I think this is a decent picture that I took of the car sure um, yeah. in the beginning especially like there weren't there was only like three pictures five four pictures of the car it was like not a lot and the kids loved the alpha despite the fact that it was not like I, I didn't even want to drive them around in it but they loved the alpha right. And they also get very attached to things. And um, I was like, I'm going to sell the car. And uh, they were in tears when that alpha drove away. And I, I like hugged my kids and I was like, you know what? It's pretty rare when daddy is like, gets rid of a car and it's running. Like (laughs) (laughs) this is sad, but it's also happy. Like, you know, um, but I was showing them pictures. I was like, this is Peugeot, which of course they've never heard of Peugeot. And I'm like, check it out. And they see basically like this white sedan. Right. And they're just like, not that the alpha wasn't a sedan too, but the, you look at the alpha, you're like, what's that? You know? And they kind of looked at this and they were like, Oh, like, it looks like a car that I drew. Right. Like it's just like right? a car, you know? Right. In the beginning, in the very beginning of owning the Peugeot, the first few weeks, I would be driving my kids to school or wherever, and my daughter would see, like, a fucking Honda, and she would be like, a Peugeot! And I'd be like, Alma, that's not a Peugeot. 
like don't hurt daddy's feelings <laughs> you know? do you see why daddy's crying it's because yeah. of what you said it's because of what yeah. you said daughter <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, never forget so, this <laughs> but but now they're like all about it i mean they love this car i mean you know okay like my wife and i switch on and off who picks him up who takes him to school picks him up for school and they're just like you know are you gonna pick me up in the Peugeot? Are you going to pick us up in the Peugeot? Can we take the Peugeot? Which I'm, you know, like 99% of the time, I'm like, hell yeah, we could take the Peugeot. You got it. <laughs> so, and it's great because um, the kids are old, like big enough. They don't have to be in car seats anymore. So yeah, there you go. That's a good yeah, they can hop in yep. and uh, the seat belts work <laughs> safe, safer. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah, it's, it is like, it's, I think they get, they're like, this is more comfortable. Okay. And it's still a manual. My son thinks manuals are the fucking coolest things in the world. Okay. Because he keeps, he keeps saying they're like spaceships. (laughs) He's like, in his mind, he's like, this is what a spaceship sounds like. Because... You know, you get in the Prius or any other car and you just step step on the gas and the car is just like, meh, meh. it's just constantly saying at that, you know, right. 2300 right. RPM, like sip the gasoline thing, what the computer says. And then you get in this and you want to have some fun and it's like, and my son is just like, yes, that is the coolest sound ever. You know, it's not going down. Yeah. And, yes. and then I switch the gears and he can like feel it. He's like, Oh my God. <laughs> so, and my daughter, she's seven. The, the other day she was like, daddy, will you teach me how to drive stick on your Peugeot? Which I was like, okay. As soon as it stops raining on daddy's face for a minute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, Daddy's going anyway. to need to source a clutch first, but yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. Hey, so uh, something kind of occurred to me, right? Like when you have a pet and children, like, mm-hmm. you know, at some point you're going to be teaching your children about loss. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right. And I think that one thing that we always touch on is kind of the full spectrum of the automotive ownership experience. Right. Grief is absolutely part of of that right like i you know i went through it so much with my vegan with the sob i had before like all of like all of these real emotions that kind of come up around like the arcs that we have with these vehicles right and like seeing how your kids like reacted to the alpha departing and then kind of the new like the peugeot coming in and like seeing those like emotional kind of like journeys like through their eyes has to be something that's really interesting it is i mean it's definitely like uh you know my dad has a, a saying we we talks about like you know he's kind of one of those guys like oh there's an old saying you know and and one of the things that he's like there's an old saying you know never love anything that can't love you back you know and talking about like don't you know don't right. get too attached to the material of your house, a car, whatever. But I'm like, it's complicated. Mm-hmm. And I get that. And I think it's actually something to aspire to. Mm-hmm. But you can love the experiences, right? And so I do think that there is, um, and I saw it with the Alpha. Like, the Alpha was emblematic not only of, like, well, it not only was like we had experiences in it. It was, you know, it was this, like, thing that they really liked and everyone said, oh, we'd get in the car. But um, it was emblematic of our time in LA. We didn't live in LA for too long. We lived there like a year and a half. 
got it in LA. And I think to them, it was a little bit like, well, we moved out of LA and now we're selling this car, which I think they really associated with the time. So yeah, I can't love you back, but there are definitely experiences that you hold on to and memories that you hold on to. Um, and I, I think it's tough because yeah, I mean, like, you know, some things you have to let go of at some point. And I mean, I do truly hope that this car I have for a very, very long time, you know, even if it becomes not front and center, but, um, but then again, I mean, probably most likely if, and when I do get rid of it, it would probably be to get into another car. But like, so, you know, with the kids, um, my son like watches that wind dance. Have you seen the wind dance film? Mm -hmm. So there's like an eight minute thing. You can look it up. Um, is documents like the Pikes Peak Hill climb in 1988 or 1989. And this is, Oh yeah. Uh Climb dance. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this is like truly amazing. And my son just watches this all the time, thinks it's the coolest thing in the world. And it's a um, Peugeot, right? It's the, it's, it's the, it's the turbo version of my car. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, okay. So it's a four. Of, in fact, when you pop the hood of my car, you could just see where the where they would just bolt the turbo on and then call it the T sixteen instead of okay. the MI sixteen. Uh, but so you see the stripes, your your Talbot stripes there, right? Yeah. And JD was just like, you know, he would just be like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if you like went around town and you told people it was the same car. And I was like, yeah, it'd be cool. But then you could tell he was like, his wheels were turning and he was like, wouldn't it be cool if you had those stripes? And I was like, dude, I would get those stripes in my car. You want it? Should I get those stripes? And he was like, oh my God. <laughs> so I ordered them. I haven't gotten them yet. And I'm, and we're like, going to put the stripes on together, you know? And he's just yeah. like, every day he comes home from school, he's like, did the stripes come? That's amazing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and and his bedroom like looks right out onto the car. I've got my carport, and his bedroom window is like Peugeot nose right to his window, kind of thing. So he's like, "Oh, I can't wait to see that." <laughs> That's so, freaking yeah, adorable, man. It is. It's a nice bonding thing, you know. It is, yeah. and and also I think like that kind of like that mentality like because i think a lot of times like something as large scale as a vehicle is seen kind of something as like somewhat impenetrable right where like you you just say like yeah we can order these stickers like we can change this we can do that like right like we can repair a like we can repair a dryer like a big like just because something is big doesn't mean like you just throw it away and get another one or like that you can't change it. Like you, like you're empowering like decision-making and kind of like customization. And like the whole thing that we're about is looking at your car as more than an appliance, right? Exactly. Like you're imparting that kind of spirit. Like you can make it you right. 
Right. And then they can learn all about how it's okay to swear at the thing (laughs) that you're attempting to fix. Oh, yeah. No, they've they've seen that. And then they learn how to save ebay.co.uk searches (laughs) for for farts. Yeah. Well, and I will, this is a good time for me to give credit where credit's due. Dave, you helped me out a lot on on one of my repairs here. And, you know, I mean, I do think another thing to learn on things is not only having the courage to try things and kind of step out of the comfort zone and say like, I'm going to go for it. I want to like try to do this thing. And, and you know what, like who says I can't fix this or whatever, but also then knowing when to like ask for help. Sure. And I mean, when it comes to cars, like the car community is amazing. Right. And uh, the, 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 <laughs> the car community is amazing in that like, they really, they will, they want to help you out. Yeah. You know, everyone wants to help each other out. The car community is also like so amazingly enabling. And it is incredible. It's, it's like, we find the weirdest fucking cars on, on Craigslist. And our reaction is like, I want my friend to buy this. Yeah. Like, Who can we talk to this yeah, bad yeah. decision? Yeah. I'm not going to buy this. Right, but I really want to know someone who's going to buy this thing. To so, talk about your uh, donation idea. Oh yeah, what was that that I had? Yeah, it was a, a string of tweets you had where you were talking about how, like, instead of like where you could donate your car to like NPR. Oh, yeah, right. So I was right because, and I, that really did come from because the, the NPR, you know, they were the CPR, our NPR carrier, Colorado Public Radio, was like. Oh, are you sick of repairing that old car that just doesn't, <laughs> or are you just ready for a new one? Well, you can donate it to Colorado public radio, which, you know, okay, great. And I was thinking to myself, like, I mean, come on, like all of us, weird car, Twitter people, we, yeah. we're not making profit. So we could set up as a nonprofit, right? <laughs> so we got that part covered. We're <laughs> making profit. And then if we did that, then we could just be like, do you have this old car that you just don't know what to do with? Like, just give it to us. Sign it's really a great over. solution. Yeah, <laughs> we'll exactly. strip it for parts. Yeah, we'll, you get a tax credit. Right. We'll take your, like, yeah, you could just picture David Tracy's yard, you know, when the authorities came in and were like, dude, too many cars. <laughs> but, like, everyone in Weird Car Twitter just like, oh, another car. Yeah. I, I, anyway. I know somebody that donated an Acura Integra. Like I, I think our friend Mark donated his GSR, right? So like 1990, what was that? Wow. Two, right? Something like that. 91, 92. And then I had a friend of mine way back in the day. He donated his 1981 Volkswagen Rabbit. Wow, really? I yeah. donated my. Convertible. I do. I know. I donated my Subaru when I was in Oklahoma. Um, when I got my Volkswagen. So did you get to determine the value on that, or did they tell you? They told me they like, yeah, they like emailed me your receipt <laughs> and demanded an apology for all yeah, of right. the unspeakable things you did to that Subaru. Ian. Oh, man. <laughs> I want to know. I do wonder. I'm like, because part of the thing is I'm like, what are they doing with the cars? Like, OK, someone don't donate an 81 Volkswagen Rabbit. Are they really refurbishing that and are selling it or is it just being sold for scrap? Yeah, I think sometimes they I think they often just sell it at the auction. Mm hmm. Mm. 
yep. or it goes to scrap. I'm sure the Subaru ended up in the scrapyard. Yeah, salvage uh, auction, scrap. Yeah, that kind of yeah. like that chain. I think my Infinity M45 went into that chain. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, anyways, I think that we could take a bite out of their car haul. <laughs> Yeah, I love Colorado Public Radio. Don't get me wrong, but they better right. watch their backs. <laughs> We're coming for you, motherfuckers. Yes, yeah, exactly. exactly. We got Steve Albini on blast, and we're coming for <laughs> yeah, you. Exactly. If our cars can make it to your house to get the other car. Yeah, exactly right. right. Going to hop in my Renault. And, oh, <laughs> shit. Sorry. I'm just yeah. two-fisting a Barth Pistons. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you, no, I, you, Dave, you helped out a lot. And I mean, I did reach out to this, the car community and was like, hey, I can find these parts. But I mean, the Peugeot is so different than the Alpha. Mm-hmm. Um, it is still workable. Like, it's not this, like, extreme, it's a 1989 car. So it's not this extremely modern thing where... You know, it's just like big ECU and all that stuff. Right. It's still like pretty much logically it's a works. Great together. era, great yeah. era to work on, right? But yeah, I mean, but it's 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 a whole different layout, and um, you know, it all works differently. So yeah, you helped me out big time, and and I mean, when it comes down to it, when you get under the car or whatever, or you're reaching into the car and you start taking things apart. You're like, that's right. Like these are, these are bolts and hoses mm-hmm. and this fits into here. And it's, I mean, so we were in a situation at Dave's house and we were doing a, we were redoing a CV boot on my, one of my axles. And, uh, it was, it was one of those things where it was like, okay, like the axles out of the car, mm-hmm. this car has three wheels right now. And, um, you know, it's getting late, but you're like, this car's not going anywhere, and I'm not getting home until like, this is put back together. Right. So it was one of those things where it was like, I got we, I got home at three o'clock in the morning. It was oh, like, man. it was amazing the work that we did, and really Dave did. Well, and, we, um, we because it, most of this is like talking it through, right? Like yeah. that dialogue is is and co- kind of collaborative, like vision around that kind of stuff is something that I think is, is really important to like working on cars with friends. Right. Yeah, no, that's well, thank you. But I mean, I do agree with that. Yeah. And I think I'm probably at a similar mechanical level to you. And I think one of my big problems is like, I just like, I haven't done it a ton, so I lack confidence in it, but I feel like when I'm with someone like Dave, who is a competent mechanic, I then become a semi-competent mechanic because you're just, it's like, you know, you have to talk through it. And if I am talking through it in my head, I'm going to say, no, you're a fucking idiot. Right. No, exactly. But like, if you're not talking through it and you've never done it before, you're like, it seems like I should be able to take that off. But this is another part of you that's like, are you fucking crazy? You're going to take that off? (laughs) Yeah, right. But then, you know, you're working with someone and Dave was like, whoop, so we'll take that off. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. You take that off, right? But remember, there were things I was like, we're not taking that off tonight, David. (laughs) I came with, yeah, I did come with parts that we didn't quite get to, which thank God, because we would have been there a few more hours at least. Yeah. But the funny PS to this whole thing is that we worked all night we got this thing we got the cv boot on drove it home thing oh it's like gliding on silk it was so beautifully smooth oh it was like 
I was so exhausted, and yet it was the perfect drive. It was 3 o'clock in the morning. I got on 25 for a little bit. There was no traffic, and I was just in my French car at night, blasting New Order, and just like, oh, this is great. I mean, I got home so quickly, and it was just the car was, oh, beautiful. So driving around for a couple days at most, and then I just, I don't even know what made me do this, but I was like, I'm going to look under the car. I told you to look under the car. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Anyways, I look under the car. CV boot has entirely slipped off where it should be. <laughs> There's grease everywhere, like, oh, just no. all over the car. And I was like, and I called him and and I was to your point about confidence. I was like, all right, I think I could probably do this. Mm-hmm. And I think Dave was, was not only wanting to help, but it was also like, Wait a minute, I'm kind of curious about this too. So mm-hmm. he was like, I'm coming over. Yeah, so, I was putting tools in my car as I'm talking David through yeah. him being able to do it. Yeah. So we spent another couple hours under the car and uh and we kind of did our own solution and it's been perfect. So Good. Good. Yeah. I I'm not a big fan of like some of these CV clamps. I have sensed since we've worked on this twice, the same boot. Um I have since bought CV clamps and two different kinds of pliers actually three um and like one in like installation tool to like always do it right the next time right the cv clamp thing is so weird it is definitely one of those things now because i wasn't didn't do cv work on the alpha but i i was having to mess with a lot of different clamps but the cv thing with the peugeot i'm like wow these clamps mm-hmm. fucking suck like yeah it's almost like this seems like such a basic thing and yet they were such a challenge it's so um, easy to do it when it's out of the car but the, yeah. when you need to do the ones while the axle is installed in the car it's a nightmare those boot kits suck and they have forever like they're they've always been bad and that's well, why I, like i stopped doing them on on my cars and i just like i ship the axles to get rebuilt like i'm just like i'm not even gonna mess with it well okay so when i bought the car steve it was disclosed to me that it needed the axles redone yeah mm-hmm. so he, steve looks at it and he's like they they do need that however he's like they're not nearly as bad as this guy's making it out to they're not clunking they're not making a bunch of noise the the boots are torn Mm-hmm. But I'm not, he's like, honestly, like not a problem at all. I'm thinking like new tires, this thing is ready to go. And indeed we drove it a, a thousand miles or whatever to Denver. No problem. Um, however, he was like, they, uh, and he's an apprentice, as he explained to you, he's an apprentice mechanic at like a Land Rover and a Porsche place. So he, he like works on cars and he took it to his boss who used to work on Peugeot's. And so he was familiar with it. And, they, and Steve was like, you know, we should just get one of those CV, universal CV kits. And it's really just like a boot that goes over the boot and pack it with grease. Yep. No problem. Well, the Peugeot's axles are really, really narrow. Mm-hmm. And so he calls me up like the day before I'm about to fly to Montana. He's like, yeah, that, that boot's not staying on there, man. <laughs> He's like, yeah, last thing is like, I'm going to try to get the... Uh, the boot on there was silicone tape and just to try to hold it on there. 
And he's like, he did that. He packed it with grease. He used silicone tape and then drove it for like a half a mile. And he was like, yeah, no, that didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) So he was like, there's nothing to do here. It's, it's like, you can't even put grease in it because it's torn all the way around. And, uh, but we, we did it. We, we drove the whole way. And then I got a, I got a new axle from Germany, SKF aftermarket fit right in. And I had a place put it in for me, a place that I'm friendly with because they were just wanted to see the car. So they're like, bring it by we'll do it for free. And then it, and then I didn't realize the other one needed to be reworked too. And was like talking to a Peugeot guy with parts. And he was like, you know, you could just try doing like a new boot. And, yeah. uh, that's when I contacted Dave and we were like, let's do it. So this is like an actual French boot that fits. Oh, okay. It's yeah. not, oh, so it wasn't like a universal one. This I is not it was, a, it's a proper, no. yeah, the proper oh. one. Yeah. No, it's like, yeah, it's like PSA, you know, kind of a thing. Oh, well. okay. I was picturing the universal nope. thing that like splits and, you no. know, clamp oh, it. Oh, yeah. Those things nope. are garbage. Yeah. No. No. So smash cut to David and Dave in the garage. One of us in a onesie, um, yeah. you know, it, yeah, like, uh, yeah, throwing it on, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, exactly. So we did that. We did that. So we we did the boot and we also did the control arm. Yes. Uh, we redid like the mount on the control arm, which was loose. And that was really causing a pronounced problem because you could really feel like the side kind of, especially at low speeds. And, um, so yeah. And then I had brought a motor mount because my, my lower motor mount is worn. And, uh, we, Dave very wisely was like, <laughs> it was probably one o'clock in the morning and he was like, I don't think we should do it. And I was like, really? Are you sure? Cause we got a lot of shit off the car already. And he was like trying to stay positive. I think he was trying not to freak me out. And he was like, no, nah, I just think we should save it. And then at three o'clock in the morning, I was like, oh, thank God we didn't get the fucking more <laughs> shit out. God knows what would have happened. Yeah. The, I'm the very problem- proud of you. I'm very proud of you, Dave, both for helping our friend and also just for staying awake that long. Cause normally your bedtime oh. is like 9 30 PM. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was, I will say he was wonderfully helpful, but he was bitching about how tired he was <laughs> starting at like, 9 30 he was like oh it's past my bedtime you know what when, you know like when you have guests over and they're trying to leave and you're like ah. uh, exactly yeah. that was like that was dave i came over we talked a little bit about the peugeot got the tire off and he was like oh, gotta be up in the morning well, that's what that's what you need to know in, in about six minutes we'll see a character i like to call the crypt keeper Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it's when it, there's just a, a thing comes over Dave's face, and you could just see like it's like a binary state of tired, not tired. Yeah, with Dave. Yeah. Well, I I exhaust him. I think. <laughs> no, 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 no. When when David came over, I kicked into that IT mode that we have to enter every now and then, mm-hmm. Ian. Right? Yeah. Like we have this special reserve, you know, like 
that you have to stay up all night for something, right? Like a kid, your kid's got to go to the hospital. You've got an outage at work. You know, you, something bad is happening, right? Like, so you, you know, you just, you just tap in and you get it done. Right. And like having somebody like David, like laying on the floor with you, that is so easy to talk to and tells me stories about some of my favorite bands in the entire universe. Right. Like, yeah, like it's fantastic. So there's there's was, way worse wearing, ways to spend he, time. He was wearing a quicksand shirt, so that was easy. But, you know, the other thing about that night that was special and that actually I did want to say that's interesting about the car stuff, which is that I have Crohn's disease and I've had it since, well, I was diagnosed when I was like 14 and I'm 42. So I had it for a long time. Have never been in remission. Um, mm-hmm. The last... I would say six months have been really have I my health has really backslid. However, in the last few weeks, I've gotten on a new medication, and I think things are on the upswing now. Oh, good, but good. This was interesting because if, sometimes you can kind of feel the when the flare ups are coming, what I call Crohn's attacks, and other times they kind of blindside you a little bit. But I think that's part of living with the disease, and I'm sure it's no different than other conditions. And that night, I was on the way to Dave's house, and I was like, man, I'm not feeling great. And if I was at home and I wasn't doing this, I would probably know a couple things that I could do to try to mitigate things. But also, I was like, shit, I know I need to take care of this with my car. And hopefully this isn't as bad as it seems. And we were hanging out trying to fix the car. And I was excited to finally meet Dave in person and, and, and hang out with him. Likewise. And my like stomach, I was in fucking agony. I mean, and I was trying, I was trying to hide it. And it was, I never would have known if you hadn't told me. Well, no, that's interesting. Cause I thought I was like, I was, felt like it was kind of obvious but the kind of the ironic thing is that we spent so much time laying down on the floor you know so we could reach up that i was like literally that's all i wanted to do was just lay down because i was in so much pain and that's what we did we were like laying down the whole time so that was nice but um but the reason why i bring that up is not just because that was sort of an interesting night for a lot of different reasons is but i was thinking about it and i was like the Having these cars, and you guys know better than I do, because I'm, you know, I had the Alpha, now I have the Peugeot. But it's sort of a parallel thing where you you start getting a sense of like, mm. like I'm an imperfect, I, I like I'm not just aesthetically, I'm an imperfect person. Like physically, I have Crohn's disease, right? Like I have these, I'm I'm you know I'm not like right out of the factory, brand spanking new. Well, there's you know, there's like, something to manage. Yes. Right? Yes. And, you know, I'm you know older, and then I have these other conditions. But then you sort of balance that by sort of being like, I know what to look for myself. So right. I'm starting to a Crohn's attack or flare up doesn't necessarily start with like pain. It starts with this very subtle feeling, and if you catch it and you learn to recognize that, mm-hmm. and you get past the denial when you're in your teens and twenties, when you just want to live your life and put your head in the sand and say no. Like, I'm going to be like everybody else. And when you sort of start picking up the subtleties, you can, like I said, you can do something. And for me, you know, with Crohn's, it's like I can get miso soup or I can get salmon sushi. 
and uh, or or not have anything and take a heat pad maybe take this pill um with cars it's sort of something similar where you you start being like okay i have a car that's 42 years old or 32 what was that years rattled? old i know exactly that yeah right. exactly right. this this fluid and you start trying to get a sense of being like that's okay that's normal it's an old car it's going to do this and that's not okay that's a sign and i need to sort of address that sooner than later and yeah. I don't know all that with the Peugeot yet. I'm still uh, just yesterday. I think I posted a long thread about like every leak that I had located, but I was like, I'm going to do this meticulously. And it's definitely like some stuff is more pressing than others. But you know, with like the CV thing, with the axle thing, I was like, this is the Crohn's attack. Like this shit needs to be dealt with. Right. Yeah. Um, Right. You know, and, and, I think that like owning a car is a little bit like an older car. You you sort of have to look for that that thing. Yeah. Like, what's the sign? Well, and Dave, David had brought it up too about managing things. And there was something that my friend Matt told me uh, a long time ago. The first yeah. time I the first time I drove a race car, I kind of got I was really freaked out by it, and I, I was having a really hard time getting comfortable and. And couldn't just like couldn't find a way into it, you know, like where something just feels overwhelming and you, you gotta like find a toehold and get into it. And so I I called him and he he said, you know, there's always gonna be something to manage with every race car. Like you have to figure out what the thing to manage is and then like put that over there in your like management place, and then you can concentrate on other things, you know, to do that. And like there's all these great analogies with cars that you yeah. can kind of map to your, to your life. And like, I think about that. There's always something to manage thing with people like at mm-hmm. work or whatever all the time. Like I, I, think I seriously about think about, yeah, Matt's thing like all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. There's always something to manage, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what, thing. I, yeah. And I think it's, it's just like you said, like you get to get comfortable with that, that idea that like, Oh, there are going to be issues. You just have to like, you know, figure out a strategy and figure out how to, how to deal with them, whether it's like internally in your own dumb brain or with your dumb car. Right. And that's the thing, right? Cause you're like this car, I want it to be perfect. Right. I want to just be like, Oh yeah, the car's hundred percent. Like it's not a hundred percent. Mm-hmm. It's probably never going to be a hundred percent, and that's all right because the car is from nineteen eighty nine, and it's I mean, it's it's old and 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 it's okay. And in some ways, it's better to be like, if the car is perfect, then I'm not thinking about what's wrong with it. Right, right, right. It, no, like there's beauty in some flaws, right? It totally, and it, and I think it forces you to sort of be more aware of things, right? And um, you know, like. Even with the Prius, I'm I'm sort of starting the Prius 2009. You know, it's it's an older car. It's got more miles than the Peugeot does, and I'm like, this car is, you know, I'm trying to keep my finger on the pulse a little bit more. When I first had it, it was like, oh yeah, this car is just like this indestructible thing, it just goes, you know, and that's it. And and, and now I'm like, no, nah, the Prius is just it's it's. It's seen a lot of hours, and uh, yeah. So, but here's the thing: is once once you own one of these kind of more unreliable cars, you will forever be the person who will be in a random like rental car or somebody or a lift 
one thing that's happened to me in the co in the passenger seat of a co-worker's car and i'll turn down the volume of the radio and just be like did you hear that yeah <laughs> do you hear that you need to take that you need to get that taken care of right i did that exact thing we were in a, a lift in la and i heard uh something i was like Phew, i don't like the sound of that coming from like this sounds like some bad bearings in the back and i was like do you do you hear that's like a clunking kind of a squeaking sound from the back and he was like yeah this is something rubbing against i was like yeah i don't think so (laughs) (laughs) yeah you need to check that out i think that like one thing that i've seen develop is like as you kind of like you have these cars in your life right you kind of develop these nerve endings for them right and so like the your prius nerve endings have developed david right like and your nerve endings are going to develop with the peugeot right like there's that like like i and to kind of like show like what an extreme example of it looks like like, like there, I, I have two things. I've, I've told the story on the podcast before, but like when I had my first Saab 900 turbo, I like, I had done the head gasket on it. I had been in it, you know, like I'd done a bunch of work. I was driving to work one morning and I hear like a tiny little, right. And so I'd like, you know, your, your head starts going and I rev the engine. It doesn't change with the rev. So I'm like, Oh God, what is it? Like something's going on. Like, is it the AC compressor? Blah, blah, blah. Right. And then it turned out my coffee cup that I had, like the lid was shut and it was just adjusting to the pressure. Like I popped it and the squeak stopped. Right. So like my, my hearing was just like on high alert. Right. Yeah. And, and then like the other kind of like side of that, is it like where you is Ian and he hates it when I talk about him. He hates it when I talk about how good of a driver he is, but like at the cart track, Ian and I love going go-karting. Okay. So we'll get in carts and Ian instantly, because his nerve endings are just wired different. There's lightning shooting through him. He picks up like the carts are completely different all the time. Like one understeers, one oversteers, blah, blah, blah. Right. He gets the cart during the first lap it takes me three or four right and so like you're gonna get there with the peugeot and like you're building up this kind of like pathway and like this what what's the term neuroplasticity yeah yeah right right? to like build these connections with your car and like know like okay that like that squeak is normal or oh all of a sudden this one's new you know oh it's an idler pulley like you know yeah, like getting well, it's, stuff. it's funny because like the Alpha had a bad transaxle mount. And in the beginning, it was like the quite literally like you couldn't imagine a more alarming sound and <laughs> sensation when you would shift and you would feel something like thump from underneath the car. And you'd be like, <laughs> what the hell? Like, all right, the car is dead. Send it to NPR. <laughs> you know? Call those weird dudes from Twitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's and instead it was like, okay, you research it. You're like, all right, now it's a mount. There's two other mounts in place, and it needs to be needs to be addressed. And I went to Centerline, and they were like, oh, we have every mount except that one. <laughs> and then you, you're like, okay, so it can wait a little bit, and there's these workarounds, and it's almost like. I, I thought, started thinking of it like it was like walking with a limp. Like mm-hmm. the car is just like, it's not going to just fall over and die, but it's like, it's just going to be like walking with a limp for a little bit until I can get to 
you know, it can get that, that new transaxle map and then it'll be all right again. It can walk okay. But it's the difference between like when you're not used to that and you haven't sort of developed that sense yet being like quite literally like the car is dead. Like it's, right. it, it, well, right. I, I'm assuming it will never move again because now this, you know, I mean, transaxle mount sounds bad, you know, and like, but then when you start learning about it, you're like, oh, it's okay. Like it's, it's a thing and I shouldn't like be cavalier about it, but it's all right. Like it'll, it'll still drive. I need to be a little bit, a little easier on the clutch. Like I can, I can work with this in the meantime. Well, that's, that's the other thing too, is that, you know, when you're, when you get into that mode of like, oh, I, there's a thing I have to manage. You, you've also graduated from another thing, which is that, you know, I think a lot of people, people who treat their cars as appliances, car working and car not working, those are binary conditions, yep. right? Whereas totally, there's a whole oh, yeah. experience of ownership that happens <laughs> in between those two. Right. Well, did you guys, so did you guys see this sort of, I don't know, viral in the car world, I think, but the, the tweets about the guy who was like, I bought a BMW for $17,000. Yes. And yes, then I did. You know, needed $50,000 of work. Yeah. So, and, and I was, I had mixed. Well, I'm curious about what you guys thought about it because I was like, I, I felt like this was going to come up. So I brought. So I missed, up. I missed that. Bring me up, bring me up to speed. So a, a gentleman posted online. He had purchased a used uh, late 2000s BMW 5 Series. Mm-hmm. For correction. Uh, okay. He. This was covered in news in an article. So maybe he posted online, but it was I. This was actually written about in and like a newspaper, like their website. So it was covered as like news man does that. But anyway, right. So right. Okay. Yes. Oh and, and so he, he bought it for like 16 grand and ended up needing like 17 grand in work. And so he, <laughs> he was getting scammed, right? Like you know, oh. local man scammed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the fucking BMW, right? That you shouldn't, you if yeah should so have known better yes well there there is should have known better but then there's people that like view cars as appliances right so they see yeah. a $16,000 appliance and they're like i have $16,000 i can either get a nissan versa right, right. which is a literal toaster on wheels or yeah. i can get a used bmw right, right. like and yeah. if and if you're not a car nerd bmw is like that's a good car. That's a status symbol. Yeah. Right. Oh, I had a coworker who went, <laughs> who bought a, <laughs> bought a Range Rover. Mm, yeah. And this was only a few years ago. This is probably six or seven years ago. Bought a Range Rover for like seven thousand dollars, and it was like a new Range Rover. No. That seems like a red flag. Yeah. 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 And he came into work. I mean just so psyched at the crazy deal that he got oh yeah it lasted maybe two weeks and it needed a nineteen thousand (laughs) dollar transmission Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and he drove it in limp mode at like 15 miles an hour to and from work for months before he finally (laughs) got rid of it good for him (laughs) it just was the most miserable he aged like 40 years in those couple of months it was well reading that whole thing about the guy with the bmw i was like I, you know and everyone was everyone was sort of dunking on him like but well, you don't even get a pre-inspection mm-hmm. you know right and this right. is what you get 
And I was like, I get it. But I also am not about to like, I don't want to go too hard on the guy. Right. I feel bad for him for sure. I do feel bad for him. And it's like, also there's another element here, which is that when you have no interest, you don't have any, you don't even have, it's not even about the skills. You have zero interest to even fix your own car. You don't care to, it doesn't mean you ever want to do, you don't have the Mm -hmm. time to do it. You don't give a shit. Is that like, you look at the, you read the stuff that was like $17,000 of repair and you're reading the stuff and you're like, why that is not $17,000 of repair. One of them was a torn CV boot. Now it's just like, (laughs) who was like the missing part of the story is like, who's fucking charging this guy? Right. Yeah. Crazy dealer estimate. Right. Yeah. So you're like, this is not the only part of it is like, Oh, he should have done a, uh, you're just like this. This whole thing is it, it's a he's he is getting like maybe he got maybe he should have done his due diligence more, but also maybe he got scammed on the repairs too. Like for sure. It's well, it's TV boot. I, the other thing too is like I don't I don't know if you guys have found this too, but like when I've told non car friends to get a pre purchase uh, pre purchase inspection, mm-hmm. they it feels like I've told them some crazy life hack that they had no idea existed. Like yeah, they, a lot of people don't know that that's an option. And that some dealers will do it for free. Like when I bought my M45, I took it. I didn't buy it at an Infinity dealer. I bought it at like an AutoNation Ford place, right? But I took it down the street to Infinity and they did a free pre-sale inspection for it. You know, those uh, and also, I mean, just look it up, like Google it. I mean, I yeah. told you guys blah about blah the blah Ford common Ford. problems inner. Yeah, I think I told you guys about the Ford Freestyle last time. Then I, you know, foolishly got into a Ford Freestyle trying to save money. We were all just, we, we did the lease experiment for a while. Great, we're driving a brand new car, Subaru, and then we're looking at our budget. Oh, man, like we're spending a lot of money. We don't have a lot to show for it. Mm-hmm. You know what? We need to just like buy a car. So buy a used and I'm, you know, looking for a used car. Oh, it's Ford Freestyle. Never really even heard of that car, right. but it's a wagon. It's got a lot of space. It's all wheel drive. It's all that stuff. It's built on a Volvo platform. Price is right. I look it up and I'm like, man, this thing has got one problem that everyone freaks out about. And that's the CVT. And okay. it's just like, and when that thing goes, it's a, it totals the car. You, it's the, you, you, there's no easy fix for it. There's no cheap fix for it. And I was just like, we decided to do it anyway. Yeah. Three months into the ownership, you start getting a warning on the transmission and the car starts. I mean, it was almost like I knew that was going to happen and I, I ended up getting out of it. Okay. On that one. And that led to the Prius, but it was just like, Mm-hmm. I mean, at least I'd looked it up and I was like, yep, yeah, I'm not surprised. That's the CVT. <laughs> Stupid Ford Freestyle CVT. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. Well, so, well, did you want to ask anything specifically? Um, not really. Well, I think the plan, like, you know, how you see it fitting into your life, like, in a day, on a day-to-day basis, you know? Well, I don't commute, so I don't have, like, a... I mean, the kids' school is extremely close. It's like two miles. Okay. Um, and uh, we have another car. And um, so I don't have like a job that I'm commuting to every day. Um, 
I believe very much in the drive your car, you know, mm-hmm. thing where it's kind of like you've got it, you've got this amazing car, just drive it, enjoy it, you know. Um, so I plan on driving it all the time. Um, it's a little stressful. In fact, this this picture is good. I just took this picture the other day, and if you okay. look in front of that tire, you could see a uh, some fluid. Uh, yeah, and. Uh, it, that was just water. So, I, I mean, but that's the experience of this car. And I think probably most old cars is mm-hmm. like the constant, you know, quote unquote temperature checks, you know, literally because I'm, I am, I think it's running hot, but also just like you get out of the car and you're looking down and you're like, shit, was that, was that there before? Was that cause I drove through a puddle? Like, why is there wetness under my car? And right. You know, that's the sort of adventure. And again, it goes back to this thing of like getting your your nerves a little bit more in tune with the this versus the alpha, you know, and kind of getting to know the car. Um, and so, um, yeah, like, hey, I got a doctor's appointment. That's where I was going for this. Like, I'm going to drive my car over there. Mm-hmm. I got yep. to go to the grocery store. I mean, I love driving. And if I'm sitting in traffic, I hate it. Like, that's not a unique thing. But, hey, I have the kind of job where I can go, like, go grocery shopping in the middle of the day on a weekday when not many people are there. Cool. Like, I'm going to take my car and cruise out there, you know? And it's fun. And um, when I have the opportunity to go, like, to drive up to, you know, visit my in-laws who live up in Boulder County. I get to take it on the highway and everything and take the family with me and kind of let it stretch its legs a little bit. Took my son to see a super B. He loves super bees. That's awesome. Turns out that my father-in-law knows somebody uh, who has one. And by the way, can I just tell you a funny story about that? So yeah. super B. the guy was a very nice guy. He, he took my son out in the car. He has got an amazing car collection, very much an American car guy. Hmm. Uh, I was wondering what he thought of this picture. So I was like, I like, I was like, okay, obviously I'm going to drive my Peugeot up there thinking this guy, cause this guy's like a big time car guy. He, he ran up for a very long time, an excellent auto repair shop. And, um, I'm not going to name specifics, but, um, he, he excellent reputation, excellent mechanic, fantastic mechanic. And um, so I was like, he'll appreciate the fact that there's like a Peugeot on his property, right? <laughs> so I pull up, zero recognition that like I've pulled up in, I'm honestly pulled up in a Kia. Mm-hmm. It's right. just like, you know, like, okay, like hop out of the car and he's immediately like, boom, all right, here's the Super B, here's this old Mercury, here's this. And so all day, just like, just long time looking at these old ass cars, American cars. And um, finally I was like, hey, do you mind if I park my Peugeot next to your Super B? I want to get a picture of them together. And he was like, no, yeah, go ahead. You know, like, again, no recognition. So I pulled next to it. I was like, you know, they're kind of siblings because Stellantis. And he was like, yeah. And he just said it and I was like, I'm not sure if he knows like the reference. So I was like, cause you know, FCA and PSA, 
you know, so Dodge, Chrysler, Peugeot. <laughs> right. And he and goes, just a super whirlwind of yeah. unreliability. Yeah. And he just was like, dead eye stared at me and he goes, yeah, that's why I won't ever buy another Chrysler product again. <laughs> and that's like, and he, he didn't say it as a smart ass remark. He was just literally like, this like, I won't ever buy another Chrysler product again because they're associated with Fiat and, you know, and, and, and Peugeot and all that. And I was just like, okay, like, okay, like, come on. Yeah. We're like, all right, right. buddy. Yeah. Cause you got your stink on it. I mean, you know, he's like, I've owned like eight Jeeps or whatever. And I'm like, right. Cause let me tell you something. Peugeot is building your Jeep now. Right. You know, they're just like building your Jeep and putting French shit all in it. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. you know, they're, they're just getting all you Jeep owners. Uh-huh. Yeah. Come on. Right. Anyway, I was just like, this, this is, I love that super B and he's a great guy. I mean, he's, he's a, he's a very nice guy for doing that. But I was also just like, I hate this double standard of your American right. classic car guy who's just like rolls up like this is a 68 camaro you're like yeah. dude it's cool come on right there's like i've only seen eight other of those today <laughs> you know you're allowed to appreciate other people's cars well right. i think that's one of the great things about you know the, our current age you know of you know having being a car person who's exposed to the internet and even like when we were growing up like getting a little bit more like kind of esoteric car mags and stuff like yeah. that of like, I think most people our age and younger who are into cars are into everything. Like you could appreciate yeah. everything, you know? Whereas I think you just, when you were older, you like, you just weren't exposed to anything. And so you ended up in these silos that were more rigid than they are now. Well, I mean, I've heard other interpretations that go a step further that I tend to subscribe to, which is that, the weird car subculture is a reaction to your sort of conservative white male mm -hmm. thing where it's this, this club and it's like this, these are the cars that we like, right. we've pumped up the prices. You can't, you know, you can't get, you can't just like go buy uh you know, a fucking 66 Corvette or whatever. <clears throat> and it's like, well, so then, okay people like cars. Like that's just a thing. Like it cuts across every group. People love cars. They just, they love cars. So you want to get into cars and that group is excluding you. And mm -hmm. it's like, we got, well, I can buy this car for 2000 bucks. Well, what's cool about this car. And then a community kind of forms around this. Well, you can afford these cars. And you know what? Like this car is just as fast as a fucking 57 Fairlane or whatever. Like, you know, so it's, yeah. what is it about speed? Like what really makes this car cool? That thing is like a giant, huge limousine with like, and yet it has two doors and like this thing, it takes five minutes to go like me. This is not sweet. You put, hit this button and then goes like that. You're like that. Okay. That is kind of cool. But like, that's not the only thing that's cool. Here's a car from Japan from like 1984, like, and with active is, rear steering, right? Yeah. Like exactly. Like, and, it, and it's just like, it's they're just, they're cars. And so right. I, that's what I like about like weird car Twitter is like, what it really is, is just, it's more inclusive in that like, 
hey, you know what? You just have to like cars. Like, yeah. and we're not going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm not buying any Jeeps anymore because the right. Frenchies got their hands on them. <laughs> You're just like, cool, good attitude. You know, <laughs> that's what we need. We need, you know what? This The world, we were all getting along a little too well. Thankfully, we found something we can finally disagree on. You know, Stellantis. <laughs> like, come on. Right, right. So, yeah. anyway. I, I, I love the fact that, like, the, before that interaction, because that interaction was a boundary set, right? Like, that, that was like, he had finally had enough of, like, you know, you saying, like, you know, Park my Peugeot, right? Yeah. And like he's just like he's like, let it go, Bert, let it go, yeah. right? You know, yeah. like he sees you pull up and he's like, oh god damn it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so like all of this, and then like and then you know you just being wonderful car person David Obachowski, right? Says something that's funny about these two that are complete opposite cars that they're kind of siblings and he's like that's it fuck this yeah, guy. Right, <laughs> this totally. a line a line has been crossed. Yeah, no, and that's the funny thing too is you're like if you're that insecure that you think that my like 1.9 liter 4 cylinder <laughs> is like just like your super V. <laughs> you know, the guy's like, oh, that just cuts a little too close to home. You right. know? It's, yeah. yeah, he's in the shower scrubbing. It's not like the super B. It's yeah. not like the super oh. B. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Huh? I'm like, how big is that engine? I you can't remember what he's, but he's like, it's like a five liter or whatever it is. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, JD, that's car's car engine is like four times bigger than daddy's. You know? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and here's the thing. Daddy doesn't have issues with that. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's just cool. And I'm fine with it. <laughs> right. He's the yeah. one that has to pay for nine dollars a gallon gas you know also somehow my yeah. car probably goes faster than it i'm not right. really sure right. how but <laughs> <laughs> what did i just read i read i don't know if it was true but someone was like oh yeah like a three-cylinder ford engine right now is like faster than the 1970 v8 ford engine and it's just like wow that's crazy that's like you know right yeah, we're beyond we're beyond the cubic inches. Yeah, so this that was a seven liter in the in the Super B. Jesus Christ, seven uh, liter, right? Yeah, I knew it. I was like, yeah, this is a crazy three and a half size. You know, yeah, yeah, four hundred and twenty five horsepower. Curb weight, uh, curb weight, seven billion pounds. <laughs> yeah, right. A black. Oh, hole. curb weight, uh, forty one hundred pounds. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. All right. And probably drum brakes all around. So it takes them, you know, three miles to stop, but that's fine. Yeah. It's a cool car. It is a cool car. Like I like old muscle cars. Oh, I, yeah. I, I love your car. I don't like dicks that like, they're like, don't get your stink on my car. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, yeah. Like we're not, we're not the same. We'll see. That's the thing because you're not taking a, away anything from him. Right. Yeah. But like that is viewed as something that takes away from what he has as the ideal of his car. Right. Right. Your presence. And I think that like weird car Twitter is kind of based on that fundamental that like we all understand that we're like this car exists over here and it doesn't take away anything from this car over here. Right. These cars exist and that's okay. Right. right. There's a short story by Will Self, the British writer called The Quantity Theory of Insanity. 
and it is the premise is that there's only a set amount of sanity go, to go around in the world. And because okay. there's been so much population, that's why you have insanity is because, you know, there's, there's not enough of it. And I do feel like some of these people are like the quantity theory of coolness. If, if there's only so much coolness going on, and if all of a sudden a 1989 Peugeot is considered cool, then you're, you're stealing. That's going right. to really endanger the coolness of my car. And it's like, dude, it's fine. Cars yeah. are just cool. There's not a finite amount of coolness in the world. Your car is allowed to be cool forever. Right. It's, a, it's forever cool. The only thing that's matter. not making it cool is your attitude, mister. Right. Like <laughs> the, the Civic over here that also was like, guess what? I recognize that that Civic, every single person in high school drove it. And it was the most unremarkable piece of shit in the world. Like I recognize that. But now I also recognize that actually I wasn't really appreciating it. And it is cool. And people like it. And that's fine like right. you know like you, we did you can just be cool with that you know and yeah. i think the other thing that we talk about this a lot too my whole i had a whole thing for a while about people thinking about things in zero sum terms and we were talking about it with with politics but it it applies here too and it's exactly what you're talking about about like there's a finite amount of something and it, but it also leads people to like make these weird things where you know if your your peugeot being cool really had nothing to do with this other guy but he by saying like by saying by using this sort of thinking of like oh there's a finite amount of car cool that exists he's making it about him oh yeah and my analogy that i have for it is like if you were if if you were at starbucks and every time they call out someone else's name you just shout that's not my coffee (laughs) (laughs) that's also not my coffee right right that's basically what you're telling people yeah uh, thank you right thank you sir (laughs) right yeah totally that's a good way to I I think about that often because I have a neighbor that, uh, yeah, you know, like is very much that, you know, that's not my order guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. How does, how does your Peugeot affect me? (laughs) Right. Right. This is going to blow your mind, but it doesn't. (laughs) In fact, if you, if you give it a chance, it could make your life better. Yeah. Right. Cause like, you could be part of this, right? Yeah. You know, or even yeah. better, like I've taken one off the market that you're not tempted to buy. <laughs> it can't hurt you anymore. It's late at night. Late at night, you wake up at three o'clock in the morning and you go, oh, I want a <laughs> Oh, there's none for sale. Oh, thank God. Oh, I mean, that, that was close. In that case, that in was that close. Case, there are a finite number, right? Yeah, right. A finite number of Peugeot 405s that yeah. are available for That yeah. browser tab just gets shame closed. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, yep. Oh, All right. David, well, well, real quick, I want to touch on David's tradition. Right, okay, David's yes. because this this will be coming out around the holidays. Maybe we don't know. But so when you had your alpha, David, you started you started a tradition. Yes. Right. Let's hear it. Uh, well, so I feel like you know this like fun European cars. You know, it has this sort of Alpine feel to it. And again, I come from the school of use your car, right. and I felt like well, it's time to get a Christmas tree. 
I could put it on the Prius or I could put it on my, and also what are you going to worry about scratching the paint on the Alfa Romeo? <laughs> the fucking thing is, it's just an overspray job. <laughs> and uh, now I can't say the same thing for the Peugeot, which is why I put a moving blanket between the tree and the car. But um, yeah, I definitely was like, this is a fun tradition. I mean, you know, put, go get the car, go get the tree in like your fun car. And that's right. what it's all about. I mean, the holidays, to me, it's all about, like, you have a tradition. You watch Christmas Vacation every year. Is it totally corny? Yes. We we read um, we read A Christmas Carol, you know, Dickens' A Christmas Carol, to the kids every year. We read it aloud. But we do all this stuff. It's tradition. It's kind of corny. It's fun. And it kind of lets you know, like, it's the holidays. And as far as you're concerned, like, taking your weird car mm-hmm. and driving. And by the way, like... Both times, I'm so excited about this because these are not cars that, like, every time you stop at a red light, people are like, cool car, man. Right. Most of the time with the Alpha, people were just like, this fucking piece of shit. Did you drive faster? And um, which you're like, I can't. And also has a bad transaxle mount. <laughs> uh, and they're like, fix your BMW. And I'm like, it's not a BMW. Um, and then this, you know, most people are like, Alma, where they're like, like, oh, that's a white Toyota or whatever. And you're like, it's not actually, it's not. Um, but then you do see people who get it and they're just like, oh my God, their mind's blown. So I went to the Home Depot with this Christmas tree lot here at the Home Depot. I know not, I didn't exactly go up to the mountains for this one, but, um, the lady came out who I bought it from and she was like, just like, oh my God, look at this thing. She had no idea what kind of car it was. She just goes, is this a back to the future car? (laughs) Which is the second time I've gotten that in like a month. Really? All people can get is that like, there is something kind of eighties about it and maybe aerodynamic. And they're like, brain is just like DeLorean, I guess, (laughs) which I'm like, you know what? Awesome. That's fine. Um, But yeah, so the lady at the Home Depot came out and was like, whoa, what is that thing? And she thought it was so cool. And when I had the Alpha and I put the tree on there, the guy at the Christmas tree farm in like Gun Barrel or whatever was like, you know, his totally boring day of like strapping Christmas trees to the tops of Subarus. All of a sudden he was like, he was like, yo, what is this thing? Why is the roof bending like this? Yeah. (laughs) He's like, this car is so cool. So I was like, ah, it's kind of fun. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's, that's the Christmas tradition is you got, oh, and then you saw Keanu Reeves started copying me. (laughs) He did. He hasn't, he hasn't sent me like a note yet or anything. I'm sure he's going to text me soon. (laughs) But I mean, like I, I posted those pictures and then he did his thing. Oh yeah. Like, Oh, here's me and my Porsche, which I was like, that's cool. Like, anyways, he'll probably text me soon. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. But yeah, like he's just, I guess, what do they call it? The kids, they call it, not, not cred. They get, uh, what is the thing? The social media thing that people are after? Clout. Clout. <laughs> anyway, I think he was trying to get some of my clout. I think, he I think he's I biting have. your style. Yeah. I think he feels that I have a lot of clout to spare, which I guess I do. But <laughs> that's, um, that's one thing people always say about, about Keanu Reeves, just notorious clout chaser. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you know, I'm happy to I'm happy to help the guy out. If it helps. <laughs> Maybe he'll get in a movie soon or something. <laughs> get his big break. Yeah, exactly. I want to help the guy out. So. Nice. Yeah. nice. Maybe I'll have him on Tempest. Maybe you guys can have him on the show. And you guys, you guys should have Keanu Reeves on your show. And you should ask him only nothing else but just about that. Photo. Just this photo. And just so an hour long deep dive on this photo. When he saw my photos, was he more inspired by the Alpha or by the Peugeot? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to open an IMDb Pro account now so I can get a hold of his management. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah, right. smart. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Uh, David. Well, David's general, I believe <laughs> I believe we did a car show. Yeah. Kind of. Mostly. Yeah, we absolutely did. Yes. We did a car show. Mainly we talked about one car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's good okay. Yeah. Um. David, if people want to uh, see more pictures of your Peugeot or harass you about things that you've said here or put you in touch with Keanu Reeves for legal counsel, uh, what, how, how could they get in touch with you? Well, especially if they want to see more Peugeot pictures, they can follow me on Twitter because I'm very obnoxiously constantly posting pictures of it. Um, uh, otherwise, yeah, they go to davidobachowski.com. I also have my my uh, short stories, fiction, and my nonfiction essays, uh, links to those. And uh, they can always check out episodes of Tempest, which um, yeah. in pre-production on season three. Oh, awesome. That's so uh, great. Yeah, my Twitter handle is David O from NJ, as in New Jersey. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much covers it. So, uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me on again. This is a lot of, is a lot of fun. Anytime. Uh, Anytime. Oh, good. Do you promise? Anytime. Yes. Anytime. Yes. Cool. <laughs> really? We are struggling for content here. We have no ideas left. We're oh, out. Good. Oh, good. Dave, if people enjoy this, what should they do? Well, besides doing all the stuff that David said, uh, definitely give his Twitter a follow because it is absolutely delight. Uh, you get to, in addition to seeing uh, the Peugeot, you get to see pictures of his insanely handsome cat. Um, so there's that as well, right? Uh, because car Twitter and cat lovers are not mutually exclusive, right? Um, yeah. So if you like all that, you know, tell your friends about the show, subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, yeah. Leave us a podcast review and yeah. Uh, and if you see a picture of a Peugeot in the wild or you see a picture of something out there, text it to a 720-515-1391. That's the apex adjacent crisis line. Yes. Yep. Send it to us. Right. So, yeah, that's that's what should be done. Thank you again, David, for coming on. Uh, a true pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you, everybody else. We love you. Goodbye.